Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. It shall be focused on the study of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Before we go any further, we begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee that we are made perfect through our trials and our weaknesses. We thank Thee for Thy word. May You speak to us today in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Chapter 4 Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Burnham titled Perfect Strength by Perfect Weakness. This was preached in 1961 on November the 19th. We'll begin at paragraph 82 up to paragraph 217. I trust you find it to be a blessing. 
Paul, the one we just read about here in, in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, we find out that this man was a great man. He was a scholar, a great man. But he had to forget all he ever knowed in order to know Christ. I'm going to let read one of these scriptures here. So if you, if you want to read it with me, let's turn to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and the first verse, just a minute. And let's read here just a minute what Paul said, this great scholarly man, what he said about himself, what he had to do. 1 Corinthians, the, the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, and begin with the first verse. Listen to this scholar. This man was trained. He could speak for any language there was in the world. He had to brag about it. He was brought up under the strict, strict sect of the Pharisees. And his father was a Pharisee. Later he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And that means that he was, he was absolutely the, the strictest of the Pharisees. He was a great fellow. And he had authority. And he was smart. His father had given him an education of the best teacher there was in all the land. Gramalia at that time. The most notable teacher of any of the schools. Paul become that type of a man. He learned every language. He learned psychology. He learned all the different things that there is in, to be learned in that way. And he leaned hard to the, to the tabernacle of the, of the priest and with the, the great man. And he was going about making havoc of the church. Listen to this same man with all this education after he had received Christ. Listen to what he said. How strong and great he was. He had to forget it. He had to realize that he could not depend upon himself. He had to realize that his education was nothing. He had to realize that all of the training he had ever had, he'd have to forget everything he's ever trained for. Listen at him now. I, brethren, when I come to you, not with the excessively of speech of wisdom, see, declaring unto you the testimony of God, I never come to you to tell you, now I am... Dr. Saul from the school of so-and-so. I am uh, out of the great sect of this denomination. I never come to you like that. For I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Uh, this is a testimony of a man like that. I'm determined to know nothing about your abilities. I know that there's nothing in you. And I'm only determined to know one thing that I see in you. That's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. The crucified Savior among you. That's all I'm going to recognize. Listen to Him. And I was with you in greatness. And what? Weakness. And in fear. And much trembling. Could you imagine a man... A Pharisee of the Pharisees. A teacher of the teachers. A man that was trained from childhood for the ministry to be an eloquent man that was smart and brilliant to come before a class of people like the Corinthians and say, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. A man who turned the world upside down. Glory. Hey. 
the greatest missionary that's ever been known, confessed that he come in weakness, not as a trained scholar, but in the weakness and fear lest he'd step off the path somewhere. And much trembling because he could not trust in his own ability. The reason he was fearing, not because he's scared of anything, but he was scared he would displease God in some way, that he'd get his own ability mixed up into it. Something that he had learned that he had, he was telling me, I didn't come to you with this excellent speech. I come to you in fear that it would come that way. But I come to you knowing nothing but Christ and Him crucified. And I come to you in fear and weakness and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom. But in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Listen to this man who was a warrior. Has stripped himself. Amen. If there's anything that our schools need today. If it's anything our churches need today. Is a stripping of themselves. Of your own thoughts and your own abilities. Strip yourselves before God. Unless you would try to do something within yourselves. I hope you that gets down deep to us, both here in the tape world too. That you realize that you've got to become nothing. Not a know-it-all, not a great somebody, but a nobody. You've got to come dust. You've got to get to a place that you know that you're nothing. And don't never rise above it, for as soon as you rise above it, you rise above God. You've got to keep yourself in the dust or on the road to Damascus. You've got to keep yourself off your high horses. And that's for everywhere. Hear it in the tape world. My speech, he said, doesn't in the enticing words of man, a man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit of power. Now watch, what for, Paul? Why'd you do this? Power, that your face should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Amen. Oh, what a preacher. This great man, who he sought God, and he said, God, I am weak, and I, I don't know what to do. I pray you, God, the strength to be. Take my infirmities away from me and these things so I can be stronger. God spoke back to him and said, Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Amen. Then Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Amen. Yes, he said, then more I will glory in my infirmities, of my weaknesses and so forth. I'm thanking God that I got all of it out of me. And when I get everything out of me, then God can come in. But as long as I got some myself there, then God can't get in. Well, that's it. We, we smother him out. We drive him away. With our, from the poorest of us to the richest of us, from the least to the greatest, we keep God out of our lives because of our own selves. I've often said the greatest enemy I got is William Branham. He's the one that gets in God's way. He's the one that gets lazy. He's the one that gets to a place sometimes where he thinks he can do something about it. And when he does, that shoves God right out of the picture. But when I can get 
rid of that guy. Well, I can get to a place that he's out of the way. Then God can come over and do things that William Rand knows nothing about. That's when God can use you. That's when He can use any of you. He can use anybody when we get out of the way. But as long as we got ourselves in the way, then we cannot. All right. Now we find out this great fellow, Paul. He, was a, he is a prince amongst the preachers. He is respected by every denomination. That man could have went to a city and had a meeting anywhere. Because why? He had credentials. Well, he was so great and so determined to smash out all the people that was weak until he got power from the high priest, the highest authority, to bind every one of them Christians. Political power from his church. To bind all of them. Oh, he was strong. He could bind the Christians and throw them into jail because they wouldn't agree with him upon his theological doctrines upon the doctrines of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He was binding the Christians. But notice, he had to become bound himself so he could lose it. He could lose his strength and authority. He become bound himself to lose what he had power to bind with. He had to lose what he was in order to be bound. God passes the nobles. He passed the priest. He passed those who were arrogant. And he chose Paul, this great man, and made him fall in the dust of the earth and do things that he, like those others, was doing. He made them act, in the, made him act the same way that those he is arresting. He bound Paul by the Spirit of God to get him loose from the power that he had to bind Christians with. Tell me God don't know what He's doing. He took away His strength in order to lose His his hope. How many ministers could God use this morning if they'd only let God bind them with His Word and with His power and loose them from the strength of them denominations and organizations? How many sincere people in this city this morning that goes to these great organization churches how many could he fill with the Holy Ghost and set this country afire with the gospel and the power if they'd only take and loose themselves from the power that they have and be bound by his spirit to be as Paul was a love slave to God. God took Paul and made a slave out of him. Bound him to himself and sent him to the Gentiles. Which he hated. But you see, he had to be loose from his ecclesiastical power to be bound to the power of God. He had to lose his strength and become weak and nothing in order to receive the strength of God, to be bound to God, to do what God would tell him to do. That's what we have to do today. That's what I need. That's what every man needs. is a loss of himself. Loss of his ability. Loss of what he is. That he might have a complete yielding to the Holy Spirit. The housewife needs that. The schoolboy needs that. We take even our little children. A certain little boy that I'm thinking of. Yesterday afternoon or day before yesterday one day. 
He went in and got his oldest sister to write out his lesson right quick and come out and told the little boys. He said, them problems was easy. See? They're taught almost to cheat. How much better would be those people are pillars in a church. How much better would be for dad of a morning at breakfast time say John's going to have his examination today. Oh God, be with John. Help John. He asked me in the bedroom this morning and said, Dad, pray for me today. I've got to stand my examination. Pray for me. I'd rather my boy would get a, a good, decent F on his card to flunk than I wouldn't know he got a straight A and cheat over it. Yeah. Yes, sir. What we need is to lose ourselves. Wholly depend upon the power of God. Now, bound. God passes the nobles and gets the weakness. God passes those who think there's something to take somebody that don't know nothing to order to work His purpose in their life. That's what we get. God said to Paul, My strength is perfect in your weakness. My, my strength becomes more perfect as you become more weaker. More you can yield to me, the better I can use you. The more you can forget about your education, the more you can forget about your denomination, the more you can forget about your stuff. And yield yourself to me, the more I can use you. Because you become weak, I'll make my own purpose strong. God can make strength out of weakness. That's the reason He always does it. When He chose His disciples... Who would think the humility of his own son when he was born in a manger, in a manured barn, in a cow stall, and was wrapped in swaddling cloth? See, he could have come through a palace. He could have come down the corners of heaven and all a full angel salute. But he chose to make Christ the example of us Amen. for us. And he brought him in humility. He never trained him in the schools of this world. But he trained him by his own power. To, so he could completely yield himself, not to the thoughts of man or the strength of the world, but yield himself to the power of God. That's what's us today. We yield ourselves today in our great denominations and realms. We yield ourselves over to the denomination. What it's got to say what they say about it. But that is contrary to God's will. We've got to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God and go where the Spirit says go. That's right. God's Hebrews, uh, God's soldiers, rather, heroes. We just uh, read in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter and the 34th verse. Out of weaknesses was made strong. They had to get weak before they could get strong. Out of their weaknesses, they were made strong. You're just putting the scriptures down out there, Hebrews 11, 34. All right. Here's something to console us. Here's something that encourages. Out of weakness and humility, God chooses the people to build His kingdom out of. If we ever get to heaven, if we ever stand in the presence of God with His church, We'll stand in a bunch of people that's been weak and rejected and cast out by the world. 
to know it nothings. Isn't it strange that God likened us to sheep? A sheep is the most helpless thing there is. There's nothing so insufficient of defense than a sheep. A rabbit can run. A squirrel can get in a tree. A dog can bite. A lion can tear. A horse can kick. A bird can fly. But a sheep stands helpless. That's the way God wants us. Realize that we are totally insufficient. Then God takes that person. And begins to mold himself into that person. Make his hands do what God would have hands to do. Make his lips speak what God's lips should speak. Because they're not his, they're God's. He begins to build a character. Begins to take this weakness. And to make his own self. He brings us here in the earth, but then we are educated, we're smart. Did you ever notice the lines, the lineages? When we take, for instance, like an Abel... From Abel comes Seth. Seth's lineage come right down on down to Noah's time. All of them were just humble farmers. But Cain's children become smart, shrewd, educated, great man, builders, professional man. But God's side was weak and humble. That's how God used them. That's God's opportunity. That's God's way of getting to us. It's when we're weak. We get something in. This encourages us, of course, because God's whole kingdom is built out of these kind of people. Then when you get to that kind of a way, then you, you can, you're in His kingdom. The case is with us that not that we are too weak. The case is we're too strong. We're, we're, we're just too strong. That's all. The thing of it is we're too strong-headed. That's right. We're too strong in our head. We know too much. God wants to get that out of us. That's right. We're too strong. We're too strong to yield to Him. We, got, we, we yield to ourselves. We got to think, uh, well, now here, I, I got sense enough to know. I was amazed a few nights ago when Mama was sick out the hospital. I went to, there's a little lady next door. If that little lady's here, you forgive me, sister. She's a little Kentucky girl from down there, and we was, and that was her mother-in-law. And I was uh, talking to her that night, my wife and I there along about one o'clock in the morning, and her husband laid down on the floor and went to sleep. She said, "Get out of here! You're no good to your mammy anyhow." And uh, running my, her husband out of the room because he's laying right straight across the door where nursing nobody getting his snoring away on the floor. So she got him up and run him out. And uh, she got to talking there. I got talking to her about the Lord and so forth. And she said, well, she said, all I ever know was a gooseneck hole in a tobacco patch early of the morning, cutting out the weeds and sucking tobacco and so forth like that. Said, but I'll tell you, he said, Pappy sent us everyone to school and said, we still ain't got no sense. I thought, well, maybe that's the reason. See, you, you got to keep the things of the world from you. Now, I'm not supporting ignorance, not, not that. But I'm trying to think when you get to a place where you think that you just, you just know so much that nobody else knows anything about it. Your knowledge is all right as long as it don't, as it don't interfere with the promises of God. We're controlled by five senses. And those five senses, see, taste, feel, smell, and hear is very fine until they interrupt the sense of faith. 
Then when they come against faith, and how do you know which one's right? Because faith will always agree with the Word. Amen. And then if, if your faith is contrary to the Word, or you think it is, then you haven't got faith. You've got to make believe. You've got to boast in your senses of some scholarship that you've learned about or something. But when you get away from that and depend completely upon faith, and faith can only be built upon the Word of God. Correct faith. A doctor once said to me, he said, I believe, Billy, if them people, you tell them, go out there and touch that post, that tree, and they believe that they get well, they get well just the same. I said, no, sir. It cannot, doctor, because of this one thing. See, them people knows that that's just the post. They know there's no virtue or no strength in that post. But any man that's mentally balanced would know that that is the word of the living God. That I can base my faith upon that and know it's thus saith the Lord. And if anything is contrary to that, then I don't believe my senses. No, sir, just leave it alone. Go by your other sense, the sense of faith. All right. God takes those people to do. When there are nobodies, you'll yield to him. D.L. Moody of Chicago. He was of Boston. He was a shoe cobbler. A little bitty fella, insufficient, didn't depend upon himself. Now you take these great schools that they got, the Moody School up there. If Dwight Moody could raise up again and see that school, the first thing Dwight Moody would do is get rid of that school. Amen. If Martin Luther could raise up, the first thing he'd do is get rid of the Lutheran organization. John Wesley would do the same. That man never founded those organizations. It was the man that followed them that did it. Paul never organized no church because he said himself, after my departing, men of your own crowds will raise up among you speaking perverse things. Amen. It was after Paul's death. Amen. And a hundred or two years after that that they formed the Catholic Church, the first organization. Man raised up. is after Moody's death that they had the Moody School. After Wesley's death that they formed the Wesley Church. After Luther's death that they formed the Luther Church. God sends heroes and they build. No wonder Jesus said, you, you whited walls. Amen. He said, you, you garnish the prophets' tombs and you're the one that put them in there. Amen. That's right. These great men raise up and then they build a memorial to them. I think just like David served God well in his own generation, so that's the way to do it. Let the organizations and things average keep away from you. Moody, little old shoe cobbler. He was weak. He was an example of weakness. The first thing it says that Moody did, he had no education at all. And his grammar was so poor, it was horrible. A man come to him once time and said, Mr. Moody, said your grammar is the poorest I ever heard in my life. He said, I'm winning souls of my ignorance. What do you do with your education? <laughs> I think that was a good answer. Sure was. And now you become a member of that school, you'll certainly have to be a polished scholar. That's right. Now, yeah, they reversed it. It's right. Go right back the other way. That's what people are doing. What I said in the beginning of my message. Instead of Christians humbling themselves and emptying themselves to find more of the room of God, they try to build themselves up in a homemade knowledge or some technical school knowledge or something that drives them farther away from God than it was when they started. That's what I'm thinking about these artificial altar calls. You bring him in and next time it's ten times harder to get him back again. Let him sit and listen until God does something for him. Then let him come and confess it. 
lies calling upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Right. Amen. Notice, moody, weak in education, weak in speech. He whined through his nose. I was just reading his history the other day. Whined through his nose. Nasal condition. Physically. Little bald-headed fellow with whiskers hanging down his... Sarah, a little bitty short fellow. Physically, he was a physical wreck. So he had nothing but weakness continually. But God used him to shake the world in his day. One time this reporter went to his meeting I was reading. And the reporter is to make a report on what kind of a man was this? A great man. A great fellow. Where's that little switch that you turn the tapes off with? I'll just have to hold that. A, a great man, Moody was. He was a fine man. And so he could attract the attention of people, hold them spellbound. So this reporter went to Mr. Moody and said, uh, went to the meeting to make a report on what kind of great buildup as a reporter just went and reported on another great evangelist recently. said, that man is eloquent. He is a doctor of divinity. He uses the best grammar I ever heard. He holds the people in his psychology. He can hold the people spellbound. Dwight Moody, when the reporter went, said, I don't see what's in him that's attractive to anybody. Hallelujah. Said the first thing, he's ugly as he can be. The next thing, he's a physical wreck. The next thing, said he is, he has no education. His grammar is the poorest I ever heard. And said, he's got a whine and a wheeze when he's preaching. And said, I don't see nothing in Dwight Moody would attract the attention of anybody. Mr. Moody was brought the article. He read it and kind of chuckled to himself said, certainly not, it's God. <laughs> sure. People don't come to see Dwight Moody, they come to see God. The people ain't caring how much you testify. They want some reality there in your life that proves that God's got a hold of you. Let you be Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, or whatever you may be. They want to see God. That's right. Man of great man. Man who are weak and realize their weakness. Look at Moses, the young intellectual man. Oh, he was a scholar. He was so trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians that he could teach the Hebrews. He could teach the Egyptians. He could teach anybody. Because Moses was a great man. Smart fellow. Oh, he was powerful man. And Cecil DeMille's conception of it when, when uh, he had uh, the Ten Commandments played. And he had this man come that was, uh, I forget the man's name that played the part of Moses in there, some actor. But a great big man with great arms and strength. And uh, Moses was perhaps that sort of a man. We know he was strong and well trained. So he took up on himself seeing the need of the day. Oh, may God let this sink home. Seeing the need of the day. Moses with his intellectual powers and his ability that he had to do it with. He was a smart man. He was a coming Pharaoh. He had psychology. He had, he had power. He had physical strength. He had, a, he had everything. So he said, I'm well equipped. I know all of it. And if there's a man in the land that's able to do it, I am. So I'm the man of the hour. So I'll step out 
And he went out to accomplish a work that was right and in the will of God. And he offered his natural abilities. God refused it. He couldn't use one thing Moses had. He couldn't use it then, neither can he use it now. God cannot use our natural abilities. We've got to get ourselves and our abilities out of the way and surrender to the will and power of God. Say, well, brother, I can preach. He can't use that. As long as you can preach. That's all right. I can do this. I can do that. You can't do nothing. God can't use it. But if you'll yield yourself to God and let Him do it. You say, well, Brother Branham, I know I'm a teacher. Well, as long as you're the teacher, well, you won't get very far. But the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Sure it is. God sent the Holy Spirit to be tutor over the church. Some people go to school for years and years and years. What do they do? Read articles out of the upper room and so Oh, that's good. You take the National Sunday School lesson. I have nothing against that. That's words of God and things. But it's put together with intellectuals. It's got to come by the power and the resurrection of Christ. You cannot depend on your natural abilities. So, Moses, this young, fine, strong, giant, intellectual man, he set out to do a good work, but God simply, absolutely could not use it. He could not use his natural abilities. And we cannot, it isn't today that we cannot, God cannot use our natural abilities. But there's one thing Moses had that I admire. He had sense enough to know that he was licked. We haven't. <laughs> That's all. We'll make a new denomination. We'll get somebody else with a healing gift or something. <laughs> the Pentecostals. See, we, we just don't know enough to realize that we're licked. The Pentecostal church, the sinners of God, the united, the rest of them, Seem like they haven't got the ability to know that they're licked. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish I could make this stick. They are licked. The church organization is licked. Just the same as this United States is licked. Trembling and fearing and bombs hanging down their farm. They know they've danced away and gated their life to hell. And they're licked. The spirits was out of them. You'd have to comb trees to get young men to the army. They see what happened to the other one. We're licked. The church is licked. They know that Moses realized it. And he knowed enough then. God took him back in the back in the wilderness to learn him some human weaknesses. He took him back to learn him what it was all about. So well did he learn. (laughs) Oh my, did he ever get a lesson. God must have had a time with him back there. You know, Moses had a temper. God gave him a wife by the name of Zephyrah. She had one too. So I imagine everything wasn't so pleasing back on the backside of the desert for a while when both their tempers got out of control at the same time. I suppose his intellectual conception of how psychology ought to control a person didn't do much good because when he's on his road down to Egypt, I see Zephyr still had a temper. She cut the foreskin of her son off and stood it before Moses and said, You're a bloody husband to me. God was angry with me. Look for him in the end if he could find him and enslave him. 
I guess there was a little things God had to teach him back there, see? That he was a human. All of his wisdom of Egypt and all of his powers of intellectual, God could not use a one of them. You come say, now, Lord, I've been in school for 40 years now. I'm, a, I'm an intellectual student. I can quote that Bible my eyes closed. God can't use a bit of that. Oh, I belong to the biggest church there is in the country. I, I'm, a, I'm this, Lord. Oh, I'm a Pentecostal. I, glory to God, I just received the Holy Ghost the other night. Hallelujah. You're going to make me to do so and so. God can't use a bit of that. Uh, whenever you get licked and realize you're licked, then come on back and humble yourself. Get weak. Find out you're human. And there's none of your intellectuals can do. The human weaknesses will never be used of God. God, by the human weaknesses, pours Himself into you and then He uses Himself. You just become an instrument. Certainly. You've got to get yourself out of the way. Moses. Oh, he learned. He learned human weaknesses real good. He learned it so well that when God called him, he had seven weaknesses that he could argue against God's call. Did you ever study him in the first part of Exodus? The seven weaknesses. Uh, I got them wrote out here. I want you to listen to them. The first weakness he had was a lack of a message. Second weakness he had was a lack of authority. The third weakness he had was a lack of eloquence. The fourth was um, uh, adaption. The fifth one was success. And the sixth one was exception. Now you compare yours with his and see if you can come up with that. <laughs> see if you can get as weak as he was. Lord, I, I ain't no good. I can't speak. I, I, I slew an Egyptian. I can't go back. Oh, everything that won't receive me. I got no message. I can't speak. I'm a sword speech. See how he was? He was nothing. Brother, he had been cured. <laughs> yeah. God could use the man after he's cured. Yeah. That's he can use us after we get cured. To find that my PhD and LLD and double LD or whatever it might be, all my degrees is nothing. God can't use them. Well, I'm assembly of God. I'm a oneness. I'm a Baptist. I'm a Presbyterian. God can't use a bit of that. The quicker you get away from it, well, the better off you'll, you'll yield yourself to God. Like the prophet was, said, I'm a man of unclean lips and among unclean people. And the angel went and got a, a tongs and went to the altar and got a coal of fire and touched his lips. Then he cried out, Lord, here am I. Send me here. Yeah. After he had realized that he had yet been a prophet, he had unclean lips. As soon as we can realize that we are, we are nothing, that you're nothing, you're dust of the earth, God cannot use you. Yes, your experience, all your weaknesses wouldn't match Moses. He had six different weaknesses here, and he had learned human weakness. Now look at the difference between that Moses meeting God and Moses looking up on the set like today, saying, say, we need so-and-so. We need a revival in the land. Now I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going back and study until I get my Bachelor of Art. Mm-hmm. I'm going back and study till I can get ordained as a LLD. I'm going to study literature. I'm going to do all this. Then I'll go out and I'll be the man of the hour. I'll smother all these guys down and start off out here. Oh, brother. I'll get me a $3 million building. I'll get me a dozen Cadillacs. And oh, brother. You might, you might as well not start because you're licked to begin with, you see. But the trouble of it is they don't know it. They think you have to have curly hair and wear tuxedo suits and say amen so beautiful and all like this and be a prince. That's a woman's puppet. God wants man. Godly man. Man that can shake. But today we want Hollywood. We want something that's desirable to the eye. 
We want something that can speak so intellectually that he can let us sleep for five minutes while he's on Sunday morning. God wants separators who will send her forth like a blaze of lightning. Condemn sin to the roots. That's right. Dig it out. But we're, we want our intellectual pastors. Most of the people want to whisper in pastor. Somebody say, yes, dear. On thunderbolts. Yes. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Pat them on the back and them short hair and makeup on and everything else and wearing clothes that he's poured into and all like that. Don't say a word about it. Great man called me on into his office. Not his office, his field office. Here a little long ago said, I want to lay hands on you that you'll stop that. I said, Don't you do it. Amen. No, sir. When you stop that, you stop the message. You stop God when you do that. Yes, sir. We don't want none of that. Did God feel sorry for Moses with all of his weaknesses? said, poor little Moses. Something, something sure has happened to you. You fell from your degrees. Oh, my. Here you have, he's a great man, intellectual, and there was nothing going to stop you. Brother, you had all your PhDs and LLDs and everything else, and now here you come confessing it's your nothing. You can't do a thing. You're just a weak. No. God wasn't sorry for him. God never took pity on him. God had him cured then of all that stuff. He wasn't sorry for him. But we find out if you're putting it down, Exodus 4.14, the anger of God was kindled against him. God wasn't sorry for him because he's weak. He said, oh, Lord, I just feel so bad. I don't believe I could do it. God don't feel sorry for you. feels like kicking you around a little bit. See? Sure, God don't feel sorry for you. He gets angry with you. You're just getting in shape then to where he can use you. Yeah, Moses is getting cured up. God can use him. He had the cure. He was away from human abilities then. He didn't have nothing he could rely upon then because he, he was ready then for the service. God said, 40 years I hear I've had you and Zephora fussing and carrying around out here in this wilderness where you can find out this human weakness and not where you're standing up there as a big prince. Hello, Dr. Moses. <laughs> Good morning, reverend sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Moses, you're the coming prince. All we all think of you. Now you're out here in the desert with a bunch of sheep and a high-tempered wife. <laughs> that fixed him up. <laughs> Yes, sir. Moses in an awful shape, and he said, Now I can use you when you realize that you're nothing. Now come on up here for this burning bush. I'll send you down yonder. Oh, my. God, give us some more of that kind. Amen. Give us some more weaklings. That's what we need, some weaklings. Sure. He was Jacob. You know, Jacob thought he was a great guy once. You know, he could just cheat and get by with anything. Went and put some popper sticks in with his father... Uh, all sheep and cattle when they were pregnant and turned them into speckled sheep and those forth like that when they went to water to drink and the first thing you know Jacob become a great man sure he was a he really was called Jacob no mistake Esau said he was supplanter all right so he was a cheater he was coming along fine gaining had great herds and wives and sheep and cattle and oxes and, and everything he had everything one night oh my when he got down to a little brook one time, he's going to cross over. He come to a place that an angel got a hold of him. Brother, old Jacob held on all night. He sure did hold on a long time. But when he surrendered himself, when he got weak and couldn't hold on no longer. Oh, God. Let the church get like that. Get to the church, get to a place where it can't hold on any longer with his natural abilities, but has to give over to God. 
Let the Methodists be ashamed of themselves if they are Methodists. Let the Baptists, let the Pentecostals be ashamed of themselves. And stop holding on and yield to the Spirit. It was then that Jacob become a prince of God. The Bible said he become a prince and his name was changed. See? And, and remember, he's a great strong man on this side, intellectually powerful. But on the other side, he was a limping prince. <laughs> Weak and wore down, but had power before God. Yeah, you might, your organization might be broke plumb to pieces. <laughs> your prestige in the neighborhood, you may be an old-fashioned crow from then on to the neighborhood. That might be right. But I'll tell you, you have power with God. I'd rather be like that. I'll take that way anytime. The disciples come back and rejoice because they were happy that they were counted worthy to bear the reproach of the cause and of Jesus. Sure, they'll call you a holy roller. Get out of that place one time. Let it get broke up. Turn loose from your... Well, say, I'm a Methodist or Presbyterian. I'm assemblies. I'm oneness. I'm just as good as you are. All right. Just get out of that one time. Give away. Get a hold of the angel. Get a hold of you one time. The angel of the Lord. It'll bring you the truth of the message. Let him get a hold of you one time. You'll humble right down to the baptism in Jesus' name. You'll humble right down to all the rest of it. Yes, you will. You'll sure do it. Yeah. You, you just forget all these intellectuals. A few days ago, one of the sweetest friends that I got, a fine person, said to me, leaving the room after I'd been on an interview, left the room, said, Brother Branham, and this person has been a, a, one of my financial supports in the meeting out there. Come to a place where I didn't know how I was going to make the thing go, just trusting God. This person would write it off. Yes, just a fine person. And this person took a trip and come from a great city here a few nights ago and stood in the room and said to me, well, even said, Brother Branham, said, I just want to say one thing. said, there isn't a person but what loves you that I know of. I said, I'm so happy for that. I said, Brother Bram, is just one thing, one thing wrong. I said, what's that, sister? I said, well, the one thing is this, Brother Branham, that if you would just compromise on a little of that doctrine you have, I said, every organization would receive you. I seen right then. I thought, I said, what doctrine, sister? And said, oh, that baptism in Jesus' name. Oh. I said, well, sister, you couldn't expect me to compromise on the Word of God and still be a servant of God? Amen. And um, Say, well, here, there's a bunch of ministers that I'm here to represent out of this big city. Said, if you will tell them that the angel of the Lord that gives you these visions told you to baptize in Jesus' name, then they're willing to accept it. Well, I said, their experience is weaker than dishwater. Amen. I said, I don't care what any angel would say. If it ain't according to the word, I don't believe it. I said, if that angel told me something different from that, I wouldn't believe the angel. Right. God's word's first above all angels and everything else. A true angel. I said, if he didn't tell me that, I wouldn't listen to him. Yes. The lady didn't know what to do. She said, I never heard of such. I never knew about it. See, there you are. So I give the little lady some scripture. And she said, I'm going right straight back home and study the New Testament. I've never studied it. There you are. Oh, my, oh, my. That's where you get. Oh, my. Quit trying to hold on. Turn loose. That's what you want to do. Turn loose. Jacob, when he turned loose, he was all right. He'd become a prince and had power with God. He was little David with his uh, Saul's ecclesiastical jacket on that went out to, to, to fight Goliath. And when David started out there to fight Goliath with all this big armor on, he looked around, and he looked back, and he looked like the rest of them. 
So he said, there's something wrong here. <laughs> as long as you're like the world and compromising with the world and doing the same thing in the world, is there something wrong? Amen. David said, this looks too fortified. I've got a doctor's degree. <laughs> I've got a Ph.D. See, I belong to a great organization. How can I ever go fight with all this stuff? I don't know nothing about it. I don't know nothing about it. David says, take the stuff off of me. That's right. If I'm going to fight for God, I don't want to look like this bunch of cowards standing here. Amen. Amen. All armored up and pierced up. I can't have a meeting. Many, media, many men, many ministers that come to me and confess that they believe that name of Jesus Christ is right to be baptized in and said, our organization would put us out. You poor excuse. Amen. Amen. Take Saul's armor off. Amen. Give me the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God send me with a slingshot. Amen. No matter what it is. Beat the enemy down. Amen. It's true. Send me. But don't let me dress up like the rest of them with LL, PhD, doctors, and all that kind of stuff. David said the thing don't look right. He said, I don't know nothing about that. He said, the only thing that I know that I have, uh, back on the backside of the desert, I was tending my father's sheep and said, uh, a lion come in and grab the little lamb and run out with it. And I know that's my father's lamb. And you know, I, 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 I'm, I wasn't equipped, but I just took my slingshot and went after him. So I slew him and brought the lamb back. Oh, my. Them standing there, a spear in their hand couldn't have done it. That's what's the matter today. God's got a lot of sheep that's gone astray. The organizations and things have stole them out. Amen. Brought them out into psychology. God give us David's with Amen. the Word of God and the power of God yes, to direct it Amen. when we go to meet these intellectual giants. Amen. Thank you. With all the PHLLDs, QUSTs, or whatever it might be. Give me the Word of God and the power of the Holy Ghost, and I'll tell you we can slay every giant on the field. Amen. Right. Amen. Need man. That can, why, David was the poorest excuse he was on the field to go fight the giant. Amen. He, why, he was nothing but a boy. And the Bible said he was ruddy, a little old scrawny-looking fellow, probably stoop-shouldered, piece of sheepskin wrapped around him. He didn't have one of these... Big intellectual degrees and well trained. He know nothing about a sword. He know nothing about all this training at Saul. Saul was the best they could have had. Bishop Saul. <laughs> Certainly his head and shoulders above the rest of the army. Well, he was he was the one who went and fought him, but he was scared. And today we know we need a revival. We know we need a stirring amongst the people. It'll not take a doctor of divinity. It'll take a weakling. Hallelujah. That'll take the Word of God and the power of the resurrection of Christ and slay this thing. It'll bring Christ to the country. And let them see that He still can open the eyes of the blind, heal the sick, raise the dead, and He's God conqueror. We need a David untrained in the theological schools. We need a man who knows nothing about that. Some little plowboy or something. Yeah. Some little guy with his stooped shoulders, not much to look at. Well, come walking down the road with the power of God. Hallelujah. Mother was dying. She said, Billy, I've trusted you. Believe you, you've been my spiritual strength. You've guided me to God. I said, Mama, when I was a boy, our background, of course, Irish, we kind of lean a little Catholic. I said, the church said that they, they was a body of people. They had it all. Everything they did was all right. I couldn't believe that because Luther said, we're a body of people. We got it all. The Baptist said, we're the body. We got it all. 
There's too many. There's about 900 different organizations. I said, Mama, I couldn't put no trust in that. Which one of them is right? Come to find out, I say this humbly, sweetly, but I believe none of them is right. I go back to the Word of God. I seen what it done back there. Then God let us all go back there. And with the weakness of no support of organization, no support of denomination, no support of ecclesiastical setup, but in simplicity and the power of the Holy Spirit that fell on Pentecost with the same message that Peter had on the day of Pentecost. Repent, every one of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You won't be harnessed up like a bunch of these theologians with your collar turned around and a Bachelor of Arts degrees. But brother, you'll have something in your hand and as long as the Spirit of God will get into that Word, it'll conquer and bring back them lost sheep that's gone astray. Amen. Amen. Confess our weaknesses. Throw off your doctrine of divinity. Throw off your know-it-all, your membership. Strip yourself before God, spiritually speaking, and call yourself unworthy. Then God can go to using you. Just don't say it from your mouth. Bring it from your heart. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy word to know that heavens and earth shall pass away, but Your word will never pass away. May You speak to us today and help us, Father, that our nature be molded after Your will. For we are the clay and You are the potter. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Set aside on to the master's use And they hid it for you Them he did choose Our Lord was tempted on every side Yet without sin That we could reign with Him Proven to be the true Savior Lord and King And blessed
Yes, we're given a sacred trust to fulfill His word. In this hour of destruction, and what may we gonna do? Surely goodness and mercy will be with us despite opposition. That's why it all. Worship the vessels of honor. Vessels of all. 